Oh, yeah, that way I got a place to stash it. I mean, um, yeah, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. And so uh, it's been five months on the 18th of this month. So um, I'm smiling even bigger than I ever did. So a true help meet. And so I appreciate what this church has played in us being here today. I mean, last year I felt like such uh, a toddler even in the spirit, just releasing the story that had bound you know me up and then and really just it has become our story now. And so I honor you as a congregation and anybody that doesn't know we're heading up this way. We feel that God's you know bringing us to the just to be laborers and get busy. So uh, we look forward to the life that we're going to have with you guys as soon as we can. All right. Amen. Right. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. So I um I'm gonna read tonight um from the book of Ezra in chapter three. Ben it may be a little louder echoey. So after the Kings and the Chronicles, then we get to Ezra and the Nehemiah, but uh, I'm going to read from Ezra chapter 3. If you've got a Bible or a phone or whatever you want to follow along. Okay. So I'm starting in verse number 10. Okay. All right, so we'll keep... Am I too close to anything? Because I'm going to be back and forth. So Okay, all right, all right. We don't want to quench that fire. We don't want to quench that fire. Woo! All-consuming fire of God. <laughs> like on this side. That's better. Okay. All right, so I'm reading from Ezra chapter 3, verse number 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and the Levites and heads of the father's houses, these were old men who had seen the first temple, they wept with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many others shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and that sound was heard afar off. We sang about it at the very beginning of this night, so why don't you say this after me? The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. So we'll say it again. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. Amen. So let me just pray before 
Father God in heaven, we thank you for these appointed seasons. We thank you for every door that you have opened and every revelation of this week. We thank you for the generation that we are today as we arise as the apostles you have called us to be. Going forth from even this building this night as we were activated last night. Father God, let that activation be ignited by your holy flame tonight so that we go forth as this generation that reclaims territory the the enemy has claimed for too long. We take it back and we shall set the captives free. So Father God, make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Touch every heart that will be softened and it will be good soil for your word. Oh, that every ear would have an ear to hear what you have purposed tonight as you've placed in my heart. In the name of Jesus, we all say, Amen. Hallelujah. And so zeal, I looked that up, you know, I had gotten, uh, whenever uh, Kathy and Lonnie had talked about the schedule, I'd, I'd seen, you know, zeal for his house. And so, of course, we know about Jesus when he would drive the money changers out. Uh, there's many places that zeal appears in the Bible. Um, but just so that you understand what the dictionary specifically is saying, and as it relates to the passage that we just read, it means there's a fervor, a great passion for a person or a cause. There is an eager desire, yes. an enthusiastic diligence, for an endeavor. Come on. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about building his house every day. So the story we read, I can give you some history behind this. You see, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt... God purposed for there to be a temple in the wilderness. He gave the blueprint to Moses. And then they went into the promised lands. They asked for a king. They got Saul. But then they got a king, David, who was a man after God's own heart. David's heart was for God. He was a friend, a lover, pursuer of God. And his desire was to create and build a house where God could dwell no longer in a tent, no longer in a place in the wilderness, but a true place where God's Spirit could dwell. That would represent not only to the children of Israel that this is an everlasting covenant that has been put on us, but to every enemy from afar off that this building, this temple, represents the God above all gods. But of course, as God would have it, David would not build that temple because he had shed so much blood. And he told him, your son Solomon, he will be the one that builds the temple. And so we read in Second Chronicles about how the initial temple was built and how Solomon would pray even to the point, no matter him being a king, lifting his hands up and then going all the way down in reverence and honor so that all the people that were behind him would see, even though I'm king, I was placed here because of our Lord God Almighty. And I was talking to Dana the other night because in, in the Second Chronicles, as the temple is being consecrated, you read about the Ark of the Covenant coming in, 
And there's a cloud that fills the place to the point where the priest could not even minister before the Lord. That's right. And I've done studies on the word minister because we all think about the person that's at the pulpits or the person that's giving a word as the minister. Oh, but my prayer is that all of us will grab onto what does it mean to minister before the Lord. That's right. Come on. That's right. And so the cloud filled that first temple. They couldn't stand. And then you read in the books, uh, the first and second kings, the first and second chronicles, you read about the different kings and their stories. And what you would see time and time again is there would be a king that it says he would do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And as you read that, so went the king, so went the people. He was walking in the covenant with God. And so you'd read stories about the enemy, how sometimes they would turn on themselves, sometimes how they would you know, be driven out, how even just a few people would be magnified. And you saw time and time again, if you walk in the ways of the Lord, the enemy would be kept in confusion. But then you saw the other side, which was, you'd see the name of a king, it would say, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so as with the king, the people would follow him. There would be idolatry. There would be unimaginable things that they would do with children being offered up as sacrifices, the perversion that would run rampant. And so what happens is it really becomes you know, uh, really so foul, I think, in terms of the leadership and in terms of the actions of his people because they just were constantly not turning to him. And so what happens is he speaks to Jeremiah and he says in chapter 25, because of your sins, because of the sins of your leaders, because of the sins of this people, I will place you in bondage for 70 years. Mm-hmm. And so what we see is the second book of Chronicles winds down you see that happening is the children of Israel, they're overtaken. They're taken off to bondage to Babylon. And then the various armies come in and they desecrate this temple that represented a covenant between this people and God. It was robbed, it was pilfered, and it was destroyed. And they were taken off into bondage. And so what happens is in that 70 years as Jeremiah prophesied, at some point it expires. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come into this story. And so all the things that I led you to get to this point, all the different kings that broke the covenants, that brought wrath onto the people, but all the kings who walked in favor of the Lord and what that represented and how great their lives were when they walked in that What we have here is a city that's been desecrated. There's nothing but rubble. Mm -hmm. But the first thing they purpose in their heart is this temple, this house, it represents our renewed covenant. And so it says as they laid that first stone, the foundation of the temple, because they've been in captivity and bondage for 70 years, the old men are the ones that are older than 70 because they were around when the original temple was built. So that's why I'm saying the old men that knew the power of the covenant with God. That's right. That's right. And so I can imagine that as they're sitting there looking at this renewed covenant, we get to start all over again. We've been in bondage, and this represents the good things, the good portion. 
And I might be older in age, but I'm sure there's some of them like, you know, I have been telling my children and my children's children and all of them that were born in captivity that don't know anything but bondage. I've been telling them what this represents. And that day has come with this stone. And so they begin to weep aloud. You think about that in your life, in your walk with God. What things do you remember that He's done for you? That's right. Come on. I mean, sometimes the pain can be hard. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the abruptness, losing a job, mm-hmm. losing a loved one, you know, all the cares of this world that comes on us. But here we are today knowing that He is our God. That's right. That's right. As He has arisen, every enemy... That's, every enemy of God has been scattered That's right. just as every enemy of ours has been scattered. Yeah. And so we are able to sit here and I'm sure some of you think about where God has brought you from mm-hmm. and where He's taken you. Yeah. You might even find yourself overwhelmed with a little emotion just like these older men were yeah. because they knew there was restoration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, but the others that were born in captivity, they knew nothing but bondage. That's right. They heard the stories of old. They knew what those stories represented and they longed for a future that was unfettered and just open to them. And so in the rebuilding of this temple, we actually see zeal beginning here because there was great passion. In the older and the younger, it says that the cry was so great and it was heard afar off that you could not distinguish between the older cries and the younger's leap of joy. Come on. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, that brings us, of course, to where we are today. Amen. We're living in the New Testament. Amen. That's right. Yeah. It's not about a building or a temple. No. You see, when Jesus came, and, and you said it earlier, when He was on the cross, He said, It is finished. When we follow His life on earth, what we see is a continuation where there was a building, it was a sacred place, but religion had taken over the rules and the regulations and the people, and man had invaded the purity and righteousness of God. And the people still had to go through the rules to go through someone to try to get to God. Of course, Jesus shook that all up. We know in John 2, He prophesied, He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. We also know over in Luke 17, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in us. That's That's right. He's foretelling what's getting ready to happen in the book of Acts. And so on the day of Pentecost, when everyone is in one accord, suddenly there comes a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it fills all the house. It falls on each one of them, and they see cloven tongues of fire, and they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God rests upon them. And so what we see here is God has brought His Spirit to earth because Jesus has been glorified. That's right. That's right. And as Stephen says over in Acts chapter 7, he says, God does not dwell in a temple made with hands right. any longer. 
Because when Jesus is on the cross, He's, he's there giving His life the ultimate sacrifice for Him. When He cries out, it is finished. Religion no longer reigns. Man no longer reigns over you. Oh, the Spirit of God is free to come out. And we are then allowed that freedom to have a relationship with Him. And we see over in Acts 17 where Paul's even talking to the men of Athens. And he had seen walking around the city that they had a, an altar to the unknown God. And just like Stephen, he says, you don't even know who you're worshiping, but I'm here to tell you, he who, you know, the God here it does not dwell in a tabernacle made with hands. And he begins to tell them about the God that's available for each and every one of them. And so what we're seeing here is that the Spirit's is now in a new sanctuary. That's right. Ezekiel 36:27, it was prophesied, I will put my spirit within you yes. and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Yes. And Haggai 2:9, it says that the latter temple will be greater That's than right. the former. Yes. That means the temple that now is dwelling here. That's right. The spirit of God is going to be greater than anything any building could hold. That's right. And of course we know over in 1 Corinthians 3 and, uh, and also in chapter 6, Paul says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy yes. Ghost? Yes. And so when I'm reading about Ezra and the older men and the younger ones, and they have these feelings about that building tabernacle, what I've seen this week, yes. and it started, Dana, when you were even ministering that night, it is Revelations 21.3, yes. the tabernacle of God is with man. He comes to dwell in us. He comes to dwell with us. Yes. We are His people. No longer do we have to go through a mediator because the Spirit has come to make its abode within us. And so I want everybody now, just put your hand on your belly and say, this is the tabernacle of God. This is the tabernacle of God. You see, in John 7, Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. If he believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so that tabernacle that's within us, the Spirit of God, that's where the river of God is now flowing. And so put your hand back on your belly and say, Out of my belly flows rivers of living water. And so my challenge to you, as we this week have seen all the different facets of what God is, where He's calling us, you know, the activation that was powerful that happened last night, but activation means nothing if we just sit on it and actually don't act on it. Come on, come on. And so what I would challenge all of us to do is just take the Ezra chapter and you know, fast forward to where we are and say every day, 
I am going to start anew and I am going to be sure that I am building the tabernacle of God. Everything that I need to know, everything I need to plug into, I will bury His Word within my heart. Oh, I will plug into His Spirit. I will only go where He sends me. I will say what He has called me to say. And so in doing that, there may be times that you're building that tabernacle by igniting, by renewing, by plugging into God. That yeah, you may have some remembrance of the, the times in the past. In Philemon 1, 6, it says that the communication of my faith will become effectual as I acknowledge every good thing that I have in me through Christ Jesus. And so sometimes that's why when we pray, we've got to give some thanks because... It reminds us right. of what He's done. That's right. So thank you, God, for the perfect help meets. Come on, that's right. Thank yes. you for the call you place on our lives. Yes. Thank you for the doors you're opening. Yes. And it, just, it just opens Thanksgiving and we move into that praise. Yes. Yes. See, the thing is, I used to be the type of Christian that I'd go on Sunday and I would take my rechargeable battery and I'd plug in uh-huh. I'd get recharged and then I'd go home using it all week. Well, by the next Sunday, it was out of power. That's right. That's right. And who knows what had happened because of all the darkness that had happened because I was not recharging it every day. Right. And I'm here to tell you, it's my prophetic belief that where God's calling this apostolic generation is Sundays will not be a, a place or a time where we come in just to get recharged. Right. It's going to be a time where we come in to celebrate. We're going to report all the good things that God has done this week. All the people that have come to know Him. All that realize that God loves them and He has a plan for their life and that we have activated them. Because as Seth was saying, preaching, teaching, and demonstrating has nothing to do as a minister. We are each called to preach, teach, and demonstrate every day to our mission field. And the only way that we can do that is if we've taken the time every day to say, God, I'm not going to rely on my walk with you yesterday. Oh, I'm not going to rely on the memories of five years ago. I remember your power. I remember your fire. But I must be touched anew today so that I will be ignited for your kingdom. As I go out, I will only say what you want me to say. Setting the captive free. That's what building the temple every day entails. The days of us being wishy-washy, lukewarm Christians, it's about over. I mean, I was... I mean, Kathy, when you were telling me the story about the fire department coming because there was flames on the building. And I'd heard about that in the 90s in Fort Worth and you're telling me about California. And I'm like, Lord God, my prayer since then has been before the next tabernacle, let us be so ablaze. Let us be so on fire that the fire trucks pull out to say something is happening at the praise chapel. Come on, come on, come on. You've heard me say it. The old African preacher that said, how do you want to be set ablaze? He says, Lord God, dip me in the kerosene of thy spirit and set my heart ablaze that I may burn for you. That is the fire that is being ignited this week with the activation that happened last week. 
I'll tell you that, uh, you know, when um, we read about Mary pregnant with Jesus, and then she went to see Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John, and what happened? The baby left in her womb. That's right. And sometimes that happens with us who are spirit-filled. We'll just, we'll just see somebody or begin to talk to them, and it's just like, wow. You just feel the kindred spirit. So I'm telling you, yeah. it happened so many times this week. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, Dana, some yeah. of the conversations we had. I mean, just even just the Revelations 21-3 yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. You know, and John, my bro. Come on, come on. I mean, I talk about the Great Awakening. Dana, you talked about it the first night. You know, I talk about what are the revivals of the past. Yeah. Because that is the blueprint for where we're going to go now and into the future. So, yeah, I mean, the first Great Awakening, he's like, Jonathan Edwards, I'm like, hallelujah. First Great Awakening, 1700s, God shook America. Hallelujah. And then the 1800s, you know, 100 years later, there's a second Great Awakening shaking where like Charles Finney, he's ministering. And they, the stories say that when people were in horse and carriage and they're on their way to revival, as they would cross over the county lines, the presence of God was so concentrated, they would begin to shake and they would be healed. That is our revival portion. I'm here to tell you. So I am contending for a great awakening. I am contending that every time I meet someone or encounter someone who has been deceived by the lie that my life was, mm-hmm. that I see salvation, I see deliverance, I right. see hope. Come on, yeah. come on. Come on. Yes. If we needed a shaking in America, it is today. Yes. You know, the first great megachurch in the United States, do we know where that was? It was in Washington, D.C., in our Capitol building. It was instituted by George Washington in the Capitol. And for 100 years, 2,000 people gathered in the Capitol for a worship service, and the praise and worship was led by the Navy band. So for 100 years, this nation was founded with the first megachurch in our Capitol building. So can it happen again? Can it happen again? So I say let God arise. Let Him invade the halls of Congress. Let Him put a halt to everything the enemy enemy has purposed in the plans and deceive those people. Even now I say let God arise and let us, Lord, as a wave, He goes forth stopping all of this, you know, Islam and racism and all the lies and division that man has created of us and them, let him arise in his wave of glory cross over this land. And as Gene and I pray, let our presidents be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the White House, let our judges not legislate. Let them let them only as judges align with our Constitution and the laws as they are written. That's right. That's right. God has given us a last-minute reprieve. Wow. I don't get into politics, but I'm telling you where we were headed as a nation, it didn't look pretty. And when you, know, you look back and you hear the prophecies from 2007, 2008 about God putting a trump 
into or trumpet into the White House and that he's got hot blood and you know, he's going to come in with my name on his lips. Did anybody watch the inauguration? How many times was there mentions of Jesus and the Lord? And he says, while he's in office, I will fill him with my spirit. That is our portion. So every day we are to pray for our leaders, but we are to lift that man up because let me tell you, the spirit of Jezebel is doing everything to take him out. Oh, to quiet him, silence him. But I'm here to say, impeachment shall not happen. The Supreme Court shall return to the people. And in God we trust, in God we trust, will be more than something written on our currency. That's how I pray. That's what I'm believing in. Too long we have been divided by denominations, by man-made divisions, by what did you do, what did you believe. I mean, this morning at 10 o'clock, I called into New York to a Catholic radio station. The way I grew up, my mom and dad were like, oh, you know, they don't do things the right way. Rules and regulations. Thank God their eyes have been opened like Paul saw the the scales have fallen off. I'm here to tell you that where people hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Regardless of man-made lines, regardless of lines in the past, I'm here to tell you there are spirit-filled Catholics. So I'm on the radio this morning. We're talking about bringing the fire to the Lord's prayer. And then at the end, the woman who's, who invited me, she's like, you know, and talking about people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, we got Father Peter on the phone, and then they're asking, do you have any prophetic prayer before we end the show? That is where God is taking us if we will get out of ourselves. And Seth said it best. He was like, we were talking, and he goes, you know, we get so wrapped up in our pride and what we see and perceive and the way we've seen things. If we could just get over ourselves, man, God could really come in, show up and show out. So, that is my prayer. Is that as you've been activated yesterday, and somebody, music, John, or somebody, if you guys want to come, I'm wrapping up. As we were activated yesterday, and I think Seth and the prayer team, they prayed for everybody that was in here. So there was an activation. You know, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We are a spirit being that will live on forever. We are a spirit man that needs to be reconciled to God. We have a soul, and we live in this fleshly body. But what that proverb is telling us is that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Now, I know sometimes people up there have generators. The ice you know, gets to happen on the, on the power lines. The electricity may go out. You may have a generator that kicks in. But I just want everybody to think about this for a moment. If you have to reach for a candle... And you've got it in front of you. Does it serve any purpose if it hasn't been lit? That proverb is telling us our spirit man is unlit until we come into right standing with Jesus. And then the flame is lit 
so that it can begin to shine. Now you think about the candle you have in front of you. Does it burn forever? Can something come along and blow it out? Sometimes that happens. Our spirit is ignited as we invite Jesus into our life. And then with the cares of life, it blows out. It dies off. And so today, there may be people here that you're like, you know, I've never, I've never, I've heard about Jesus. I know the stories, but I don't think my candle has ever been lit. I'm here to tell you there is a flame eternal that is burning in so many people. And maybe there's a point where your flame has flickered out. It's not as, as it, it was. It's not like it used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you again: the flame eternal can reignite it. That's right. That's right. Or it could just be that you know you just want a flashpoint, a blowtorch of the Holy Ghost in now. Because what's the word say? He said, "Our God is a consuming fire." And I'm here to tell you the fire that's been activated. It is being ignited even more tonight. Because what God says is when the fire comes, there's wood, there's stubble, there's a things that it's going to burn up. But my prayer and my prayer over you is that what remains is the purified remainder of what the Spirit has birthed in us and what we've done. So we've had a lot of activation this week. We've had a lot of consecration. And so again, if, actually, if everybody would just stand with me, I'm winding up. We're gonna I have an invitation. Bless you, Lord. Oh, we bless you, bless you, Lord. We've consecrated ourselves. Yes. But every day is a new day, a new opportunity to plug into Him and say, God, I don't want to live on yesterday's flame. That's right. I don't want to live on the stories of my mom and dad. That's right. That's right. You know, I don't want to try to get very far on just a vessel that's half full for fear that when the bridegroom comes, there's not enough oil in my lamp. And so tonight, my challenge to myself, to all of us, is what are we going to do with that activation? Or we're going to cry out to God and say, I don't want to be the candle that's been blown out. I don't want to be the rechargeable flashlight that has burned out. I want to be set ablaze anew so that everything you have purposed within me, everything you've called me to do, I will do it boldly. I'd call if you yourself want to step back in to revisit the activation, revisit the promises, the declarations of things that you've decreed this week. Maybe new revelations have come about, but that's what this time is. It is a time for us to reflect and then build in the year ahead so that at the next tabernacle we have greater joy that will go up in stealth exaltation because of all that he has done this year. So we'll just, I'll invite you guys to come up for a few minutes at the altar. Pray your prayer of consecration. Pray whatever God puts on your heart. But my challenge is you tonight. Purpose in your heart that just like they did in Ezra, I am going to build anew my relationship with you. 
It is not going to be built on the sand. It is going to be built on the firm rock and foundation of you. And so, of course, there's ministering with each other as you feel led, but that's, that's what God put on my heart for you. And I pray that there is something that ignited you so we can build on what God did in us even last night. Thank you, Lord God.
It's your zeal. It's your passion. It's your conviction. Follow us, O God. Have a talk with Jesus. Talk with the Lord right now. Focus up on Him right now. Oh, so 
fire of God, the fire of God, the fire of God, the fire of God, the fire of God. Shurike ridia surra bake. Oh, holy fire, holy, holy, holy. 